are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday to kick off a week's worth of shows. We started off with the Pelicans in action tonight in the Smoothie King Center against the Utah Jazz. It's going to be a tough one. We'll preview that game coming up in the third segment of today's show, but I want to talk about Saturday's game first against the San Antonio Spurs. Another loss, disappointing end to the game for New Orleans, who's clearly not making strides on how to win games, however you quantify that. But this game was a really good encapsulation of what's wrong with New Orleans. You saw the holes in the team and the work that David Griffin needs to do. So let's talk about the game. Let's talk about what it means for the team going forward and more in particularly for both Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. So let's get to it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. So the Pelicans lost to the San Antonio Spurs on Saturday, 117-114. An interesting note, by the way, that due to the league postponing their season last year and the bubble, New Orleans hadn't played in San Antonio since 2019, despite them being a division rival. Just weird little quirk of everything that I thought was kind of interesting. They played in Utah more times than they've played in San Antonio over the past year. So from this game, two things really jump out at you. Bad offense down the stretch and bad defense throughout basically the entirety of the game. And when you look at this, it really becomes apparent what the roster flaws with this team are and what type of player they need to go out and try and get. So first, the good in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, who in this game still Pretty awesome. Brandon Ingram, almost 30 points, 29 on 23 shots. He finished with five assists, four rebounds. That's a type of shot profile scoring efficiency that you want to see from him. And then Zion Williamson with one of his better rebounding games we've probably seen from him. 23 points on 15 shots, still incredible efficiency, 14 rebounds, five assists, but four turnovers. He had cut those turnovers down a lot at the start and towards, you know, the middle of the point Zion era. And that's been a real big key to not giving up easy buckets and making transition defense very simple for New Orleans. And if his handle is tight, I think this team's offense can be really good, particularly in the half court. But if you're getting four turnovers from him, which was the most on the team by far, it's going to create some problems. Turnovers have been an issue for New Orleans, at least in the first part of the first half of the season. And they had really seemed to work on that. And Zion's handle had looked a little bit better, but he's got to tighten that up. But overall, good game from him, minus the free throw. 7 of 11, 64% from the charity stripe. In a game that you lost by just three points, those missed free throws are kind of big. New Orleans shot 80% from the charity stripe on the night. It's not great, and it gets worse when we start to look at the final six minutes or so, six minutes and 20 seconds of this game, because that's where things really started to fall apart for New Orleans. They were in this the entirety of the time. They might have been trailing the San Antonio Spurs in the second half, but the offense down the stretch really went cold. 
and really just ended up not doing a whole lot of anything. So let me filter it here so I can give you guys the numbers here. Over the final six minutes and 20 seconds, the Pelicans were four of 15, one of eight from three for 16 total points. That's actually okay because the San Antonio Spurs weren't much better. They were three of nine from the field. So six more shots less, six fewer shots, 0 for four from three, and they scored 14 points. So the Pelicans actually outscored the San Antonio Spurs down the stretch in this game. The problem was the free throw line. The San Antonio Spurs were 8 of 9, 89%. The New Orleans Pelicans were 7 of 12, 58%. That's where you lost this game, among some other things. But if you just want to look at it down the stretch, you've got to hit your free throws. And the Spurs were not going to let Zion beat them by scoring at the rim. And this is a theme you're going to see just going forward with the team. Look at the spacing whenever he got the ball, right? Like four guys around him every single time. I've done the math for you all. With what he shoots at the rim and in the restricted area, it needs to be a guy who consistently shoots like 53% from three to be the equivalent of point per shot from a three to a two. That's how good he is at scoring around the rim. That someone needs to shoot better than 50% from three. You're never going to go cover a shooter if you have the chance to cover Zion Williamson. So other guys really need to try and make you pay by manufacturing high-quality shots off of double and triple teams thrown at Zion. Because he only took one shot, one field goal attempt, let's say here, in the final six minutes and 20 seconds. They keyed in on him, but he did go to the line six times. It's four total shooting possessions, right? The one made shot is one of one, and then six trips to the line, two shots, it's four. It's actually a decent number for him. He was three of six, though. If he makes all of those, it's a tie game. That's a really big deal. Steven Adams went one for two. Eric Bledsoe went one for two. Brandon Ingram, thank you, 100% from the free throw line in the final six minutes and 20 seconds at two for two. However, he was one of six. He, at times, really does get thrown off of his rhythm in his game by not being able to to have the space to go to the rim like he really wants to. And it's worse this year by a good bit than last year. And look, it's it's due to Zion. There's, There's no room for him to go to the basket when there's four or five guys defending Zion down low. Probably meaning the coaching staff needs to use Point Zion more with Brandon Ingram, maybe less with a guard. You've seen that two-man game with J.J. Redick. You've got to maybe try something like that a little bit more so than we're seeing with Brandon Ingram to really try and create some space for him because he's an incredible bucket getter and he's been doing it all season. His numbers are virtually identical to last year's, but the shot profile is so much worse. The problem is I don't know how the shot profile necessarily gets better because you really are starting to see some of the spacing issues because of how good Zion is. Ultimately, this is a good problem to have, right? This isn't bad spacing on this team because you have bad three-point shooters. Just Zion is that damn good that everyone wants to go and cover him. And because he's a big man, it's going to likely be down low and it's going to clog the lane. This is something that can be figured out and point Zion starting to do it. But down the stretch, New Orleans just couldn't come up with anything. And that's where you see these spacing issues largely start to rear their heads. And that's what kind of becomes concerning. You can talk about, you know, learning to win. And certainly the Pelicans need to do that by just making your free throws as part of that mentality, right? 
But you do need to figure out some offense, and this is when it comes to Stan Van Gundy because we've seen this team sputter in the fourth a whole lot this season. But also, make your threes. Lonzo Ball was one for four from three in the final six minutes and 20 seconds. He had a rough shooting game, as did other Pelicans, which we'll get into in the next part. Because this is where you see the flaws in the roster construction. Defense, versatility on defense in particular, and that inconsistent offense from some role players. So let's dive into that coming up here next on Locked on Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by Headspace. And look... Any of these meditation things, I was really skeptical about. I didn't really think this stuff would work for me. But after days of sitting in a chair on Zoom meetings in my living room, after watching some really bad basketball nights where you're really, really frustrated, I thought for three minutes, let's give it a shot. Worst case is you wasted three minutes of your time, right? It couldn't hurt. And then I realized it really does work just having kind of a pocket-sized guide to help you focus, relax, whatever it is, sleep better that you might need. And Headspace is what can do that and it can help change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditation in an easy-to-use app. And Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help make you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute, like I said, three-minute SOS meditation for you. Are you having trouble falling asleep? Headspace is wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Their approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Sometimes you just need to take a minute. But when you're frustrated with something, it's it, for me at least, it's tough to calm down. I'm seething sometimes with anger over things. Headspace has really helped me let some of that go, refocus myself, and get to whatever it is, the t- you know, the task at hand. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. They make it easy to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace's meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free month, one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. That's the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. And Bet Online even covers TV shows, reality TV, and awards. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Pelicans overs, Zion on points per game. Take the over on that one too. Pretty safe bets. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. It's already like you've won a bet. They're just giving you free money just by signing up and making a deposit for stuff you want to bet on anyway. So head on over to Bet Online, use the promo code Locked On, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. On the Locked On Today podcast, is the relationship broken between Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? And does New Orleans have a chance to get him, more importantly, at least for us here? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, continuing to talk about the Pelicans, 117-114 loss to the San Antonio Spurs. It's one of those things that I just, I, I can't get too upset about. Like the loss to the Bucks, I saw some promise from the team in that ultimately just didn't finish down the stretch. This loss is a little bit more disappointing than that one for sure because the Spurs aren't the Bucks, but the Spurs aren't bad this year. And again, in pop we trust, I think kind of goes a long way. And clearly they came out with a good defensive game plan down the stretch to really frustrate Zion. Williamson a little bit they'd much rather lose with him missing or making free throws than scoring at the rim because he's more likely to score at the rim so what else happened in this game because it's really not on Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson entirely because both of those guys played well and when they combine for 29 points and 23 points you should be able to go pretty far I think when you can get 52 points out of them combined, but New Orleans wasn't able to go to the distance. And I think this really comes down to a lot of the role players and defense too, because that's where this team really struggled. DeMar DeRozan gave New Orleans fits in this game. He was finished with 32 points on the night. He He's good. You could argue that he is an all-star snub in some capacity like so many guys are this year. But at the same point, you got to try and limit him a little bit. It's not like he lights you up from three, right? And man, that dude got hot and hit a couple contested threes. And what can you do? He lived at the restricted area. If you kind of look at his shot chart, it's like Zion light to some degree. He got to the rim and he scored at will. And this comes down to two levels of defense, right? Failure to slow him down on the perimeter. And that's what Eric Bledsoe was mainly tasked with doing. And Bledsoe was just getting blown by. Uh, regularly against DeMar DeRozan. Bledsoe has not looked like an all-defensive team member at all this season. And then it gets DeMar DeRozan matched up with Steven Adams. And by the way, he scored eight points with Steven Adams tagged as the primary defender. And so all of a sudden, they've kind of broke contain. Guys get down low, and then it becomes that scramble drill that New Orleans isn't good at. But at the same point, Steven Adams has been blitzed a lot this year, and I think he's a good enough rim protector without being an elite rim protector, but it doesn't work when 14 shots go against you at the rim. Teams shoot over 50% there, meaning they're going to score a lot of points at you, even when it's not entirely your fault, but Steven Adams comes off looking bad in this one. But they do not have the rim protection down low that you need if this defense on the perimeter is going to be as leaky and as poor as it's been. And that, I think, is a big problem for New Orleans. That also leads to a lot of bad closeouts when guys are scrambling. So when the guy gets to the rim, realizes, oh, I've got a bunch of wide open shooters. Let me just pass it out, even if they are doing a good job of defending the rim. And it leads to that scramble drill, open three-point shot. And I worry about this against the Utah Jazz tonight. So the defense struggled with DeMar DeRozan and a couple of other guys too, really. And this is where you see a lot of this. So Lonnie Walker played pretty well against New Orleans, 17 points. Brandon Ingram was the primary defender on him. That's not great. Ingram's defense in this game was pretty bad. You also had Deontay Murray going off for 18. So that backcourt again kind of lighting up New Orleans to some degree. You also had LaMarcus Aldridge coming off the bench for 21 and then Patty Mills coming off the bench and putting in 13. It's a lot of guys getting high double figure numbers or like in the teens, right? 17, 18, 21, 10, 13, 32. It's not great and you're just not going to be able to do anything. And if your offense sputters even a stretch for a little bit, you can potentially lose a game and that's what happened here. So New Orleans needs to figure it out on the defensive side of the ball. You need more switchability, I think, for one. When you look at the different guys that beat you here, 
And the different matchups they had, you saw Brandon Ingram on all the guards at certain points. You saw Steven Adams, of course, defending everyone because they were all attacking and moving downhill and trying to score at, you know, at will at the rim. And so adding a defender that has some switchability to him that can get matched up on the perimeter if it's big and not get blown by, I think is important for New Orleans. I look at a guy like PJ Tucker, right? The... Houston Rockets are probably having a fire sale pretty soon because they, 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 they've kind of lost it here a little bit. And PJ Tucker is the type of guy that can guard multiple positions and really add a lot to your team and at least just make guys uncomfortable at the point of attack. He's not uncomfortable if he get matches, uh, gets matched up against a guy smaller, faster than him, whatever it might be. You add some flexibility in with the defense. And I think that's really important for New Orleans because Billy Hernan Gomez does not have it, and he was bad defensively in this one. Same for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who struggled with Patty Mills off of the bench. Both those guys led the team in the worst plus-minus, negative eight, negative five. In a game you lost by three, that's kind of big. And adding some more defensive versatility, particularly off the bench, where you really only have Josh Hart, who has any sort of versatility there, is an important thing. But that adds to the other part. And also, by the way, in terms of P.J. Uh, Washington, don't trade for him. He's 35. You don't need to give up assets for a guy who's 35 and at the tail end of his career. But trying to find guys in the draft that have those attributes, I think, is of the utmost importance for New Orleans going forward. I don't know if Brandon Ingram is ever going to be a good, good, good defender, right? But he's such a good bucket getter on the offensive side of the ball that if he gives you adequate enough defense, I'm okay with it. As long as you have guys that can cover for him to some degree, right? The team doesn't have that right now. Zion's been growing on that side of the ball. and I've actually been pretty happy with his progress. But you're going to need to cover for Brandon Ingram. And it means you're going to have to do that through the draft, most likely. Because it's not like these guys are just all out available, right? Robert Covington's one that comes to mind, but that's not what New Orleans needs right now with how young this team is and the trajectory that they're on. So I feel you almost need to address this through the draft to some degree, and that's going to be a big part of figuring this team out going forward. But also, you're going to need guys that are more consistent. That's a big part of the problem too. Josh Hart, whom we love, right? He was 0 for 8. 0 for 8. Didn't make a shot. 0 for 6 from 3. He did make two free throws. That was it. But he chips in nine rebounds. You need guys that just give you some consistency. And they were out without J.J. Redick in this one. He's questionable for tonight's game, last I saw in the injury report. But when you go stretches where you don't have good defense or, or good offense, part of that is because Josh Hart isn't making shots. You need just a little bit more everywhere. And I think that's going to be the challenge for David Griffin. This roster is not even remotely finished. There's not a one quick fix right now for it this season. And if that's going to be the case, they're still going to be fighting for 10th. And that's kind of how it's going to go all year long. But this loss to the San Antonio Spurs, the lack of switchability on defense, the lack of role players just showing up. And sometimes, you know, when role players are good role players, you win. When they're not, you, you lose, as was the case in this game. You need to at least get guys that are more consistent and don't have O for games, which really do tank you. All right, coming up, the Utah Jazz taking on New Orleans here in the Smoothie King Center. We'll give you a quick preview of that. 
Before we get to that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I eat one of these every single day right before I work out, right around noon. Also use it kind of as a meal replacement, basically my lunch before the workout. And I actually enjoy eating these things for a protein bar. You're eating them because they're high in protein, because they're low in calories, because they have high fiber, all of which Built Bar does. But you're using it more as the delivery system. You don't really care about the taste as much until you've had a built bar and realize you don't need to be miserable eating the protein bars that you normally eat. These things are really, really good tasting. It's more like you're eating a candy bar, partially because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not chalky. They're not dry. The consistency and the taste is like nothing you've ever tried. You may as well not be miserable when eating a protein bar before or after one of your workouts. And these things are so low in calories that if you eat a built bar, you're not not wasting all the cardio you just did just did uh, you know an hour on the bike an hour on the treadmill it didn't all just go to waste because you ate a protein bar for when you go and lift right now so these things are great for the health conscious person again they are low in calorie low in sugar high in protein high in fiber they have some that have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories that's it they're wonderful. I've been digging the mint brownie recently the double chocolate is also really good and I love the cookies and cream and if you use promo code LOCKEDON20, you'll get 20% off your next order. It's going to let you try all the Built Bars that you want. Choose that mix box if you've never had them before. Give all the different flavors a try and then go back to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you're going to get 20% off your next order over at BuiltBar.com. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? And if you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness. We're in March now, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. So we've gone a little long in the show talking about some of the roster flaws here and what the team really needs to try and address going forward. I don't think they're going to really be able to do it a ton this season leading up to the March 25th trade deadline. But also it's a game day here in New Orleans, so we're going to kind of touch on this one really quickly before wrapping up today's show. The Pelicans taking on the Utah Jazz, the 27-7 Utah Jazz, the only team in the league whose losses are in the single digits. They have the best record by three games over the loss. Los Angeles Lakers in terms of the wins here in the NBA. They're really, really good. And I think these Jazz probably are title contenders, sort of maybe a step below the Lakers, even though they have the better record. And we're familiar with how the two games went early on this year, where basically New Orleans was blown out on the road to the Utah Jazz both times in a back-to-back, not back-to-back set, but two games in uh, three days set. And it didn't look particularly pretty, but you know what? You saw very good games from Zion Williamson in this one, and it's probably going to influence how the Jazz really approach New Orleans here. 32 points in their first matchup. He also scored 27 points in the next matchup. It was really the fact that other than Brandon Ingram, who scored 17 and then 23 in those two matchups. No one else really uh, scared the Jazz whatsoever, and I expect that to be the same here. They're going to key in on Zion Williamson, you have to imagine, and not let him beat them. He's one of the few guys that can actually score pretty efficiently around Rudy Gobert at the rim and attack him and isn't scared of him whatsoever. So why don't they just try and remove that from the equation, right? You're probably going to see a lot of double and triple and quadruple teams thrown at him to try and limit that as the Utah Jazz force anyone other than Zion and to a lesser extent Brandon Ingram to beat him, similar to what the Pelicans did against the Celtics, right? 
to come back in that game in the fourth quarter from 24 down, deny Jason Tatum the ball and let anyone else beat you. And if they do that, you kind of live with that. I think Utah feels their offense and in particular their three-point shooting is enough to overcome even if, you know, kind of like random New Orleans player gets really hot and starts scoring because these guys, as we've mentioned, are pretty inconsistent. So look for how Zion's defended here and is New Orleans able to generate offense and easy offense either converting their three-point shots or off-ball cutters when they double and triple team him to get the ball out of his hands and kind of remove him from the equation. That's really what I'm watching. When he does get against Rudy Gobert, if he can keep scoring on, around, over, under, above, I don't know, we could use all those words. Um, I'm very excited to see that because he's one of the few players that can do it. And look, if you want to be an interior scorer, that is a really good sign of future greatness is if you're able to take it to Rudy Gobert. This Jazz team's good. You know, I'm not feeling particularly confident about this game, but basically every time I've not felt confident, they've come out, somehow come out and surprised the opponent. We'll see if they do that tonight. So maybe it's a reverse jinx, and this was all part of my master plan to get the Pelicans a win. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review with a comment and tell a friend. And as always, I'll be back with you tomorrow to recap the game.